0: You can go ahead and start the video back there, thanks. Have you all seen this during the pandemic? These things that are all over the internet and it's this, well, I'll just let it speak for itself. Has anybody tried one of those? Anybody built one of those in their house? You know, it started with a bunch of teenagers up in their bedroom. And it was like one domino connected to another domino, went down the stairs, went around the dog bowl. And then suddenly it became adults getting involved because they were home for the pandemic. And they were like, you know, I got nothing else to do because I'm not really doing the Zoom meeting, ha ha. And so they built these massive domino mazes around and around and around. This one in particular I like. Because it lists everything in the garage that you don't use is what they build it on. Now listen, I know you probably want to see the end of it all the way, but I have it cut off. Raise your hand if you wanted to continue to see how it ends. Too bad, it's going to cut off here in just a minute, which means you got to email me, right? Isn't it fascinating to watch? You could watch it for hours. Watch this. Watch the rake. And it goes and it goes. You can stop it, that's good. Some people say that they spent 30 or 40 hours working on their little domino experiment. Here's the thing I love about those things is it's this great picture that one thing connects to another thing that bumps into another thing and leads to another thing and another thing and another thing and and nothing. Nothing in life is just this one-off that suddenly it goes, we don't know how, and it doesn't lead to anything else. Life is full of lots of events that are connected like a domino, to a domino, to a domino, to a ball, and to a rake in your backyard, right? Just think about life, all the events that are connected to all these different events. The same is true in the spiritual life. As we look back and we see God's grace, we see God in little moments connecting to big moments to connecting to events and things that may be hidden in our life that we don't even know, but somehow they happen and God continues the domino going forward and that leads to another event and leads to another event and leads to God doing something amazing. The spiritual life is full of these dominoes. And over the last few weeks, we've been looking at these saints from the first century, these brand new Christians that were fully committed, that we look at them and they were fully committed. But the question is, what were the dominoes in their life that led them to be fully committed? How did they stay fully committed? If you're like me, I'm fully committed, absolutely, most of the time. I'm fully committed to the thing that works on m- my timeline. Well, most of the time I'm committed to the stuff that works on my timeline, but I'm really committed to the things that work on my timeline about the things that I'm interested in. But then again, some of the things I'm interested in, they change a lot. So it only works part of the time if I'm fully committed to that. Is that you? Or I am fully committed to being fully committed. Have you ever had that one before? Sometimes I don't even know what I'm committed to because I am actually committed to being committed, to trying to be committed to the thing that I'm actually committed to. How are we supposed to be fully committed to God and his mission? How do we do it? Well, Timothy is the person we're going to look at today, and what we see in Timothy's life are these three events, these three snapshots. So let's pray as we dive in. Father, thank you that you are not a one-off, that you don't just have something happen and then you hope us to figure it out. You're not a pinball wizard. Our world is not spinning out of control, hoping to land on the right paddle to be pushed. But, God, you're intimately involved in each part of our life. We pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would bring Scripture alive for us. Speak to us today, Lord, as you spoke to Timothy. In Christ's name, amen. So if you've got a Bible or your phone, Turk to... Acts chapter 16, we're going to look at three dominoes in Timothy's life, three events, three snapshots of Timothy's life that speak about how he was fully committed, how he stayed on the mission of God. So here's the first one, Acts chapter 16, follow along. Paul came also to Derbe and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. So here's where we first run into Timothy. Paul was um, also had these dominoes in his life, right? Paul was a hater of Christians, and he brushed up and had this amazing encounter with Jesus. And now he becomes a missionary. He's traveling around the Middle East telling people about the good news, the gospel of Jesus. Paul's on the mission. Paul runs into Timothy. Now, after this service I have a 10 minute special sermon on circumcision if you want to hang around and I'll tell you all about it. No, not really. But it is a vital important part of what happens in this event. And so for Timothy it says in verse 1 that he was a disciple. So Timothy at this point he was a follower of Jesus, he was a disciple. Continue on. It also says his mother was Jewish, his Greek, his dad was Greek. So there was something about his life that now he was a follower of Jesus. His mom was a Jewish believer, his dad was Greek. Verse 2, he's well spoken of by the brothers, but he wasn't circumcised. Why is that important? That's a big part of this first domino for Timothy. Now, as a child, I don't remember what it was like to be circumcised. I must say it probably didn't feel great, but to be a grown man and be circumcised, that probably didn't feel so good either, right? So here's Timothy, a disciple, a follower of Jesus, being fully committed to the mission, being called out by Paul, this great missionary guy, to be a part of the mission. But for some reason, he wasn't circumcised. It's a little embarrassing that everybody else knows you're not, right? Right? Or that you are, right? I mean, that whole discussion has got to be embarrassing for him. But look what happens in verse 3. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and he circumcised him because the Jews who were in that place, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. So this first domino we see for Timothy to be fully committed to the mission, he had to make a pretty drastic life change. He said, look, I'm willing to be circumcised. I'm willing to be literally changed physically to stay fully on the mission. For Timothy, it would have been a pretty big sacrifice. It would have been pretty embarrassing, pretty awkward. But he was committed to the mission. So a question for you and I is, Do you know the mission of God? It's hard to be committed to the mission if we don't know the mission. Do you know the heartbeat of what God is excited about? Why God does what he does? Do you know God's mission? Do you know the mission of God for your own life? Are you making sacrifices so you are on the mission? Are you fully committed to that mission in your own life? Do you know how God has wired you, what your gifts are, what your talents are, what your passions are, so you can be more readily on the mission? Lastly, are you just flat out living on that mission? It's hard to be on mission and fully committed to it if you don't know what it is. But I don't think that was the first domino for Timothy. It's the first domino we see of Timothy's life but i don't believe that was the first domino i don't believe his full commitment to the mission was that first one i think it was later on down so let's look at the second snapshot this is the next one turn over to philippians chapter 2 philippians chapter 2 19 to 22 there's another moment another snapshot in timothy's life so now he has been circumcised he has been out on mission with paul He's a disciple. He's a believer. We see he's fully committed to the mission. And then Paul says these words about Timothy. So follow along. He says, I hope in the Lord Jesus Christ to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered by news of you. He says, For I have no one like Timothy. I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth. How as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. So a couple of things going on here. Paul is describing that Timothy, one, is fully committed to the mission. But he says this, he says, Timothy doesn't seek his own interests. So here's the other domino. One, he's fully committed to the mission. But here Paul's saying not only is he fully committed to the mission, He doesn't seek his own interests. Look at the wording. For two, for I have no one like Timothy who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. He seeks your welfare. That's the interest that Timothy has. He seeks your welfare. And then 21, for they all seek their own interests. He's doing a paradox. They all seek their own interests. Not Timothy. He doesn't seek his own interests. They all seek their own interest, not those of Jesus Christ. So he's saying Timothy seeks the interest of Jesus, of the mission of Jesus. And then he even says it one more time. He says, For he asserts with me in the gospel, in the good news. So a question for us this morning to think about is. Can you and I be fully committed to the mission if we just know the mission and that's all? If we just know the mission of God, is that enough to keep us going in our Christian life? This weekend, we're going to do our chores at our house. My kids are awesome at their chores. They're really good. I, on the other hand, so today we need to sweep and mop the bathroom And kitchen. Bathrooms, plural, and kitchen. Now, is my fully committed knowledge of the mission of cleaning my bathroom enough to get my bathroom clean? Okay, underneath the masks, I know what you're saying, but I can't hear you. Is my knowledge of the mission enough to make it be done? It's not. It's just not. There's so many things in our life that we are fully understand and fully committed to that mission but the knowledge of the mission is not enough. So that's why Paul says he is seeking the interests. Not only does he know the mission, now Timothy is seeking the interests. So a couple of questions. Whose interest is, interests are you most invested in? What things are you finding valuable and you're putting value to and you're seeking are those interests enough to feel you to be fully committed? What gospel? He says here, the gospel of Christ. What gospel are you serving? Is that powerful enough to keep you fully committed? I don't think that fully committed to the interests of another and the interests of Christ. That's really important. But I still don't think that's the first domino for Timothy. So first he is fully committed, he knows the mission, but that's not the first one. He is seeking the interest of others, pouring out himself for others, but that's still not the first domino. It's proven my interests are very important for others. But that doesn't keep me fully committed to them. It just doesn't. That's just life. Is what you're committed to enough to keep you committed to it? So let's look at the third snapshot. Turn over with me to 1 Timothy chapter 4. This is the third snapshot for Timothy, the third event, the third moment for Timothy that speaks of these dominoes in his life that spoke of how he was fully committed. For this is 1 Timothy 4. Here's where we are. He's been on mission with Paul. He was circumcised. He was fully committed to the mission. He's been um, shown that he is totally has all his interests in the interests of others, seeks the welfare of others, is interested in the mission of Christ. He's now a pastor. He's leading a church. He's, a, you know, having influence on others for the gospel. And then Paul says a really... Important things. Start at verse 10. For to this end we toil and strive because we have our hope set on the living God, who is the savior of all people, especially to those who believe. And then he says this to encourage Timothy. Here's another domino here. Command and teach these things. Now let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech and conduct and love and faith and purity. Until I come, devote yourselves to the public reading of Scripture to exhortation. And a teaching. So he's saying, Timothy, even though you're young, don't be discouraged. Set this example of serving and loving others and being solidified to the mission and having interests of others. But verse 10 is the domino. Look what he says For to this end, and he uses we now, he's he's pulling in the readers here, he's pulling in Timothy. For to this end we toil and strive. Because we have our hope set on the living God. Who is the Savior of all people, especially to those who believe the Lord Jesus Christ, is what Paul is saying. He's saying, Timothy, you are fully committed to the mission. That is uh, absolutely fantastic. He said, I can see it in the way you've been circumcised and taken these great steps. He said, Timothy, you are completely sold out in the interests of others. But he says... To this end, we toil that we put our hope on the one behind the mission. If you only know the mission, is it strong enough to keep you going? And I'm going to say it's not. The one behind the mission is the fuel to keep you on the mission. The man behind the mission is the one that fully grows a committed life to the mission. You know, just this past week, a great uh, Christian evangelist and apologetist, all the news came out about terrible things he had done in his life. Really sad story. And it's another picture of these great pastors and teachers and leaders of churches that have lived this life behind the scenes that nobody knew about. Oh, they were absolutely committed to the mission. They give everything for the mission. They've sold millions of books. You've read them. I've read them. They had their interests totally sold on the interests of God and the interests of the mission. But somehow they lost the one behind the mission. The one behind the mission is the one who can sustain the one who is on the mission. Hear me again. The one behind the mission is the one who can sustain the one who is on mission. Well, the year was 1963. Preston Bruce was living in Washington, D.C., and he and his wife were eating lunch. He was sitting at the kitchen table, and he heard the news on the radio. And he was shocked. It was so shocking. He jumped up from the table, smashed his knees on the table. A bunch of plates fell on the floor and a bunch of food. His wife was like, whoa. They couldn't believe the news that they had heard. He put on his coat. He got in the car and he sped off to work. And on the way there, he heard the news again. His wife was left behind, he said, trying to clean up all the dishes. shocked herself that she had heard the news. Mr. Bruce was unflappable. He was committed to his job. You can put that picture up there if you want. There's a great picture of him. He was a doorman. He was a butler at the White House. And he was fully committed to his job. He knew the mission back and forth of what his job was. But as he drove to work that day, he was shocked about the news. He was going 55. He said, he said this, I didn't realize how fast I was going, he would say later, as the policeman pulled behind him in the motorcycle and turned on the lights and pulled him over. And he said, What's the hurry? Officer, Mr. Bruce said, the president has been shot. President Kennedy. The policeman hadn't heard yet. He was stunned. He said, get in your car and follow me. And the policeman got in the motorcycle and took off. Mr. Bruce got in his car and followed him all the way to the White House. See, Mr. Bruce had been at the White House and worked there for years and years and years. Folks that work at the White House, they work 60 hours a week a lot of times. Especially depending on their job. Everybody loved Mr. Bruce. Just the morning before President Kennedy was shot, Mr. Bruce walked he and his family out to the helicopter in the White House lawn, said goodbye to the president. President Kennedy said this to him. He said, I'm leaving you in charge of everything. And they kind of joked back and forth. He said, run things the way that suits you best. And they kind of joked. They got on the helicopter and they headed to Texas. Mr. Bruce stayed at the White House for four days after that event because of his commitment to the mission. He waited. You can go to the next picture. He waited until Jackie Kennedy got home from that tragic event. You can go to the next slide. And you'll see when Mrs. Kennedy came home, she came home Very, very early in the morning, at four in the morning is when they arrived at the White House. Still had her husband's blood on that famous pink wool suit. Now that's not a real picture of her because it's very hard to find a picture of her in that famous suit. That was from the movie about the Kennedys. Mr. Bruce, he waited at the White House in his commitment to the mission until she got there. When she arrived, she saw Mr. Bruce. And she said, Bruce, you waited until we came. He said, yes, you knew I was going to be here, Mrs. Kennedy. There was a short service in the East Room. They got in the elevator. Upstairs, and as the elevator began to go, it was Bruce, Mr. Bruce. It was Jackie Kennedy, the Attorney General. They turned to each other, they grasped each other, and they began to weep in the elevator. Mr. Bruce was incredibly committed to the mission. He gave everything he could for the mission. He lived his whole life not for his own interest, but for the interests of others. But why did he stay? Why did he work 60 hours a week? Because he knew the person behind the mission. He knew the person behind the presidential seal. He knew the president. That's why he waited. It was personal. Just imagine for a moment. Just imagine for a moment a people who could be fully committed, not to a president, but to a God-man. Imagine a people who could be fully committed, not because they know the mission, not because they're trying to live out of their interest for the mission itself, but because we know the man Behind the mission, imagine what it's like for a people to love the Roanoke Valley because we know that our person behind the mission—oh, he was blood-stained. It was a bloody death, people. It was bloody. Imagine the commitment we can have, fully committed, because the one who is committed to us. The only way we can know a fully committed life to Christianity, to God, to Jesus Christ is because we know him and because his commitment to us even unto a bloody death and a resurrection. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would help us again Help us again to see the cross. Help us again to see your blood, that bloody mess that it was. Help us again to know personally you. Help us to know again the resurrection. God, we can't even be committed to try to clean things in our house or fix relationships or patch up mistakes we've made. So we look to you Your commitment of the cross and the tomb. That's the only way we're going to be committed to you. Stir deeply, tattoo on our soul the truth that you're the original domino of life. That you push and move through the pains of us and our sin, even to the cross. You're the first mover. You're the one behind the mission. You're the committed one. Lord Jesus, in your name, amen.